and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast that has been created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you're listening from today, I want to thank you for tuning in. My name's Paul Joy and as the host of this podcast, it is my privilege episode after episode to sit down with Yarra Old Grammarians, Yogs, who unpack part of their journey, the influence that Yarra has had, maybe special mention of certain teachers and, uh, and, and experiences that they had and how those uh, opportunities and experiences have shaped their lives. And the conversation that I have to share with you today is no exception. And I need to offer a little bit of background. And that is I am uh, good friends and proud to be a good friend with the great Alan Crawley. And uh, he is a legend of Yarra. The Alan Crawley sports fields are named after him. A long, long time uh, serving staff member and also parent. And as I was chatting to him one day and, and exploring and explaining that the Yog podcast, this podcast that you're listening to, and, and talked about it being inspired by Yarra, he, he had a little twinkle in his eye when he mentioned his own son, Matt Crawley, from the class of 1989, who he said, oh, if anybody has been inspired by Yarra, it's got to be my son, Matt. And so we organised that I would be able to meet with Matt, sit down with him, and uh, and then shortly after our conversation, uh, Matt and Alan and I got to wander through uh, the grounds of Yarra Valley Grammar. It was on during the school holidays, so there was there was I guess free reign for us to wander, and it was just fantastic as the two of them recalled special moments and special places and their memories of a school which has meant so much to both of them. So today and now I want to present to you a conversation that I had with uh, Matt Crawley from the class of 1989. And unfortunately through uh, user error, me being the user, I we have lost the first part of the conversation. I didn't push the right buttons at the right time. And so unfortunately, part of the conversation, the early part of the conversation is a little lost. And uh, and so therefore, we're actually gonna pick it up partway through when I, <laughs> I turned and realized that I'd made a blunder, but we just continued on. And uh, and Matt was generous with his, his time and his, um, I guess his grace and forgiveness of, of my error and continue to give great value in um, in his uh, conversations about sport, about his insights into music and the value of that, and, and certainly uh, mentions many great moments that he had at Yarra. I trust you enjoy this conversation as much as I did when I was right there in the midst of it. You can, I think you can tell when you listen back to this that uh, I certainly am enjoying his company and enjoying his conversation and and the toing and froing between us is uh, is is quite pleasant enjoy this conversation with matt crawley from the class of 1989 we are 
enjoying this conversation with Matt Crawley from the class of 1989. And and already in our conversation, we've explored uh, some academics, some social impact that a school can have. We've talked a little bit about uh, the the power of sport and the, the value of sport. And Matt, I want to uh, throw at you some quick fire questions now. I'm going to go bang, bang, bang. First word that pops into your mind. Outstanding. What house were you in? Plumber. If it was house aths or house swimming, what was your preference? Aths. Why? Oh, that black line in swimming for training. <laughs> so not much of a swimmer? No, I'd sw- I think I was a school swimming captain, I, I think. Okay. Uh, loved my breaststroke and my, was in the relay team, but I, I just didn't enjoy swimming training because you're just looking at that black line, you can't be social. Fair enough. You're right. You're right. Hard to talk underwater. <laughs> well, I, some people say I can, but it is challenging. <laughs> Do you remember a, a school production or a school musical that either you were on stage or in the audience for? Uh, can I talk more about music-based rather than – sorry, that's not yep. one word, is it? No, that's fine. Go uh, ahead. I, I played the bass clarinet and the clarinet the whole way through high school and in year 12 when we played the last production, I can remember sitting on the stage bawling my eyes out because I knew I'd never play a musical instrument again. But I really enjoyed my time doing it. What instrument was it? Bass clarinet. The bass clarinet. It's interesting you say that because, again, when we're recording this, we're getting towards the end of the year, particularly for our Year 12s, and some of them have just gone through their their last production, their last musical, their last performance, and that emotion is still there for them too. I'm and I wrote a, about it in my Year 12 English paper. One of my, one of my little short essays yes. was about how I felt after that because I was a weeping mess and I couldn't really put my finger on why, but I think it's just because I didn't think I'd ever do it again and I haven't. Okay, haven't picked it up again. No. Right. There would be some music teachers who put hours of time into you that would be disappointed to hear that. <laughs> they would. <laughs> <laughs> What's the value of music, though? Like when you were doing it, what did it what did it offer you? For me, it was something really different because I was so into my sport. Mm. Um, Dad's dad was the leader of a, a music band. That was that was his job. So wow. uh, it was yeah, it was it was important to the family, and he certainly encouraged me to do that. I think I tried the violin for about three weeks in about year four or five, and that wasn't going to work. But okay. the wind instruments were, were okay for me. I, just something different. It's still that re- being fully rounded, isn't it, of trying mm. a variety of different things and finding out what you're really, really passionate about. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it through the school. got me with a different group of people because yep. even though it was a bit of crossover with some of the sport guys and, and being involved in music, just got me socialising and interacting with a whole variety of different people, which in life when you get into the real world is very, very important. And the notion of dedication to sport and practice and keeping on turning up is equally relevant for music. Absolutely. Practice and keeping on turning up and and even when you're not very good, you've still got to keep with it. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Um, particularly if you're in a band, you sort of, you know, you, you don't want to be that weak link, I suppose, just like in a team. You don't want to – you feel the pressure of – if you're on your own playing the piano, for example, just solo, it's all on you, which obviously is a lot of pressure as well, but you don't want to let people down when you're in that, in that scenario of, uh, of being in a band. I must admit – I dip my hat, dip my lid to any parent who has gone through the, dare I say, pain, and and that might be a harsh word, of particularly the stringed instruments, maybe the violin, of when your kid comes home with a violin, like there are some 
ordinary sounds that can come out of that <laughs> instrument. Particularly ordinary. <laughs> but you were on the clarinet. How did, how did you go early on in the clarinet? Was that something your fingers could get around? Or? Yeah, okay. Yeah, mm. I think because I think everybody plays a recorder, don't they, in primary yes, school? Yes, that's so true. I sort of already had that notion of the fingers and sort of found that okay. So, yeah, went to the clarinet for probably two or three years and then and then branched out into the, into the bass clarinet. Back in the day, could you read music? Yeah. Okay. Could you still? Uh, probably not. Probably no. not. That's been a quite a few years. Yeah, it's a long time, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Thirty years out. Okay. Let's. Uh, I was. Gonna, <laughs> I was going to give you give you the opportunity not to mention the uh, the year, but uh, wonder what while you're at school whether you would have a typical lunch. You'd open up your lunchbox. What would you find in there? Wow. I'm not sure I can remember. I did make my own lunch, so it was probably a bit variety, a bit of various things depending on what was in the house at the time. It was pretty quick though. It wasn't lavish like it is now. I make myself lunch now still to go to work. Yep. I make a wrap with salad and ham, the whole bit. Put some time into it. I do. You know you're going to enjoy and sometimes it. sometimes still make the families as well because they like me doing that. But, yeah, I think it was just slap some peanut butter on a couple of pieces of bread. Even if they're stale, that'll do. But yeah, it wasn't that fussy when you were no. a teenage boy, eh? Fair enough. Do you remember who was the school captain in the class of 1989? Fraser McFean. Caught up with him at the AFL Grand Final for a quick beer as well. Excellent work. It sounds like uh, you still got a little bit of contact with some of uh, some of the old classmates. Yeah, I have not a, not an enormous amount to be honest. Being so far away and only really getting back here once a year usually, um, you don't have a, a lot of contact. But certainly, certainly like to keep abreast of what people are doing on Facebook and catch up when I can. Yes. What was your first job, perhaps either while you were at school or soon after leaving school? Pancake parlour. Okay. Uh, I started over at Northside because that was the only place I could get, they could get me in, uh, then ended up at, uh, at Doncaster. All right. What are you doing at the pancake parlour? you flipping pancakes? No, or? no, I was waiting. Okay. Uh, so getting some steps up, walking around, chatting to people, <laughs> which I like to do. Yes. Um, That's yeah, great. It was, it was good fun. Didn't do, not until after school, so I didn't have a job through school. I just had too much sport going on and yes. Al was really good at uh, not sort of pressuring me into doing that. But as soon as I finished school and, and went to uni, yep. uh, yeah, pancake parlour. Good job. Good and job. playing some footy. Got to, just to get a little bit of coin playing footy at, okay. a, at East Stringwood uh, Footy Club for the so first, first couple of years you're at that school. level where you're being paid to play footy? Yeah. So you're in the, in the, in the seniors? Yep. And what position on the ground? Uh, either fullback or centre-half back, depending on who the – Gun forward was that I needed yes. to mark up on, and and you were the one to take the, the the named forward. Usually, depending on how quick or tall or something they might have been. But yes, yes, depending on the matchup. Yeah, exactly. And uh, were you good at body on body, or did you come over with uh, a big I came fist? Came over the top with a big fist, and was, you hit the ball every time. Uh, pretty much every time. Yeah, they get knocked out playing for East Ringwood by the ball hitting me square between the eyes. Look, when I was looking into the sun one day, going up for a mark. Right, ball hit me between the eyes was. Fairly days and then hit my head on the ground and woke up in hospital. Gone. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have been able to play the following week nowadays. It was a preliminary final and I did play the following of week in the grand did. final. But <laughs> I don't, yeah, that, that wouldn't happen with that sort of a knockout. That no. wouldn't happen these days. Can you recall a... I didn't play particularly well in the grand final either, so I think you I... You can blame that. Yeah, I think... Well, I think it still was affecting me, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, sure, sure. I um, wonder if you can recall a particularly... 
testing moment or a challenge that you overcame while you were here at school, whether it's perhaps a a result that you got back or whether it was a a, a letdown that you had or you didn't make a particular team, something that was disappointing, a a challenge that hit hit you in the guts? I'm struggling with that. Okay. Enjoyed success most of the time? Look, I did, I did struggle a little bit playing in a cricket team when I in the early high school years. I was in the ro- I was with an age group above me. So all the kids that were in the year of 1998 were in the team and me yes. just because of where my birth date fell. Okay. Fell. So um, that was probably a bit of a challenge because uh, I didn't get a huge amount of batting or bowling time. Became a really good fielder. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was why I went to tennis. So I then said, okay, yeah. well, if I go and play in the tennis team, everyone plays in the tennis team if you're in the team. Sure. So I went to tennis for two or three years and, and then came back to cricket, as I said earlier, in year 12. It is one of those challenges around team sports is that uh, there there are different roles on the, on the ground yeah. and, and different positions to be played. They're also, as we've, again, as we've found just recently, uh, at, a, at a, an elite sports level, there are always some who miss out. There are. And that, that's, that's a painful story. That's a, a, a challenge for many people. Again, if we just float around Richmond for a little while, there's some great stories around the Richmond Footy Club and those who have helped the team get there but can't be there on the day. What's your perspective on that or how have you seen them cope with that really well? They have done a really good job of it. That Marlon Pickett story is just unbelievable, that debuting is. in the grand final and playing exceptionally well. He did all right. But you've got a feel for uh, Jack Ross who, who gets injured uh, and you've also got a uh, – sorry, Jack Graham um, and Alex Ross who and Camden McIntosh who didn't play in the VFL grand final. So they would have won a VFL premiership but they sat them out of that with the thought process that you might oh, be playing next week. So, right? yeah, so okay. they missed out on playing in either premiership team this right. year. That's got to be very, very mm. challenging. So mm. it'll be really interesting to see what happens there and how they handle that moving forward because I'm that's a story for a couple of months, I think, making yep. sure those guys are okay and yep. and want to hang around and have a tilt next year. For sure. Um, so I, I think that's... That's conversations and communication, though. I think if you are up front with people and say, we're leaving you out of this VFL team, doesn't guarantee you a game next week, but we think that this is the best thing for the club mm. should we need you next week for you not to play this week. If they're up front about that and do it the right way, I think with that good culture, I think you can get through it. Yes, and it seems to me that the Richmond Footy Club have got good culture at the moment and so those conversations probably were had and the individuals involved probably said, for the good of the team, for the good of the club, I'm prepared to to see what happens. I, I certainly hope you're right, and that's how I think it would have gone. Yes. But, but if it, if it have, has gone like that, hopefully they can they can be okay. I mean, the two of the, the good stories that Mac, McIntosh has already got a premiership and Jack Ross got one in 17 in his fifth game of football. So even though he'd be disappointed, he'd at least be able to look back and go, well, it didn't contribute a huge amount until the final series in 2017 and I've already got a medal. Yeah. Let's go get another one next year. AFL football is your a big part of your life now. Huge. Working up in Coffs Harbour. What's happening up there now while you're not there? It's it's I mean footy season, it's the peak of footy season as we're recording this. But up there is it is it 
are there people interested in it? Would people have been watching the grand final? Is it school holidays up there at the moment, so there's no school programs? What What's happening in Coffs Harbour yeah, spot, without you? 80% of my role is in schools. So yep. it's either organising programs in schools, going to schools, kicking footies with kids. So certainly during the school holidays, it's always a little bit quieter for us. And the fact that our local league had their, their grand final probably three or four weeks ago, um, that's wound up as well. So it's nice and quiet. I work in an office with one other guy uh, who's full-time with us um, and he's on holidays this week as well for the next week. So as we used to like to say in football, when the season's not over, we're not saving lives. So we don't need to be on call all the time. So the you know the phone's away in terms of emails and things like that. You can really relax in into a nice week of holidays. Yes, that sounds good. Did you have a role with your AFL hat on while you were here in Melbourne? Or were you here simply because it was an opportunity to come and be part uh, of it? Book flights 10 or 12 weeks ago because I wanted to come down and see Dad, yep. spend a week with him. My youngest daughter, Annalise, who's 10, uh, came down with me Thursday so we could go to the parade just as a, as a bystander. I did recognise four or five other staff members from New South Wales ACT who I sung, who were walking in the parade and gave them a shout-out and called them over and, and, and said good day. Uh, one of which was actually in charge of looking after Stevie J in the Premiership Couple Week. So I already have a phone on my photo of Al, myself and Annalise with the Premiership Cup. How's that? We took it on Friday. <laughs> it would have had both ribbons on it, I guess, at that point? We took the um, charcoal and orange off, so it's only got one tiger ribbon on it. <laughs> but that'll do me. <laughs> Absolutely. That's all you need now anyway. Exactly. Um, I think it, his name's Mark Knight. Does the cartoons? Does yes. his magnificent posters? Have you got one of those yet? I haven't, but I must. You must get one of those so for sure. He's unbelievable. He, Even the the pictures that were in the in the paper, I think on Saturday morning, and th- it, some of the stuff he draws is very it's, clever. It's amazing. It's terrific. Yes. One year we had a group of students here working with the Pied Pipers to sell those. Um, footy posters straight after the, the grand final. Okay. So we had a team of, of students and parents sort of surrounding the MCG. And, and as you'd appreciate, there were two copies. There were yes. a, a truckload of Team A and a truckload of Team B, and, and we never saw Team B because mm. Team A won. We were then selling it, and that was part of our Community Links program yeah, where nice. we were supporting the, the Royal Children's Hospital through the Pied Pipers and, and we're, we're big on um, Good Friday every year. We, we help out in the local area um, collecting for, for the Good Friday appeal. Shaking the tins? Shaking the tins yeah, and right. uh, d- knocking on doors. Yeah, and nice. uh, we have hundreds of people come along to that. I wonder back in your day while you are at school, did you have any sense of the wider community and reaching out to the wider community? Got to be honest, I, I don't I don't recall whether that's my memory fading or or whether we didn't quite do as, quite as much of it. I mean, the, the schools being here today, you can see in terms of the buildings and the facilities how much the school has evolved, mm. and I wonder whether some of those types of things have, have evolved a lot more as well. Because I don't I don't actually recall personally doing it myself. Mm. Whether. I think we did some exchange programs and things like that. So mate, it's not quite the same, but it's I suppose along the same lines, giving sure. some people some opportunities to come and enjoy our not only our school but the, the the culture within our community. Yes, yes. Your memories of school are pretty positive by the sounds of it. Very much, very much. And this podcast is called Inspired by Yarra. Now I think that you have been inspired by Yarra. Not only now you mentioned prep to year twelve, you were here the whole way. 
Do you remember it changing or were you so much in the moment that it was just, it was life, it was what you did? No, the latter. It was exactly what I did, you know, changed a couple of houses in the time, but that was the main changes that I remember. I just remember driving to school with Al and enjoying that time together in the car, then, you know, doing my thing at school, being able to knock around for half an hour or three quarters of an hour after school with a few kids that might be on a late bus or would parent, uh, kids of um, teachers at the school as well, yeah. playing handball, kicking the footy, doing whatever we were doing. Um, and then I, I, I think the thing that was just so shocking, and I mean shocking to me in terms of it just hit me like a ton of bricks was when I finished because I knew nothing. I felt like I knew nothing other than Yarra Valley. So going the whole way through the school to sit at that valedictory dinner, mm-hmm. which my mum was at as well mm-hmm. um, because my mum didn't have a huge involvement in my upbringing, um, she came to that and and I, I just remember thinking, I, I don't know what to do. I, I had never had a job, mm. but, you know, just done sport in school was pretty much what I'd done. And loved it. Oh. That was yeah, enough. Absolutely loved it, but okay. then thought – Wow. Now what? What am I doing? You know, right? Um, and at that point in time, you don't have an offer for uni. You don't, no, you don't. Didn't have a job at that point. You sort of sitting there thinking, oh, yeah. what do I do now? Yeah, life after. But the way Yarra Valley set me up to then tackle life and gave me, you know, some resilience and, and things to aspire to and a confidence to talk to different people and do different things is, I think, held me in really good stead. Mm. Your work with young people today, um, particularly around footy, what do you think are some attributes that that you would seek to impart or you think is important for young kids to grasp hold of? It might be a skill around footy, but it might be something bigger than that. What's kind of the fundamentals, whether it's part of what you're trying to instil in your own kids but what's, what's some of the fundamentals that young people need to try and grasp? I think team environment's huge. Team. Because if you're out in the workforce, unless you're working for yourself and you're on your own because it's just a small business and you just do it all yourself, wherever you go in work, you're going to have the scenario where you've got to work as a team. Mm. Whether you're the top person or whether you're in the middle row or towards the bottom, you've got to have team and people that you work with. So I yes. think, And that's what sport, team sports particularly, teach you. Because as you said earlier, sometimes you might be the star of the team, sometimes you might be the bottom rung, sometimes you might miss out. Yeah. And let's face it, every, everybody I know has gone for a job and been unsuccessful at some stage. Yep. Yep. And if, you know, sport can teach you that, I thought Yarra Valley t- taught me that really well. Yes. Um, and, you know, that's all resilience and, and that's so much a part of life because yep. we don't always win. Life's not always fantastic. Absolutely. You have down days, you have losses, you have regrets, you have issues that come up that you've, you know you mightn't have done as well as you'd like. Um, and if you haven't experienced that growing up through sport, through school, it's going to be a tough old life in the mm. real world. Mm. And, and there's no doubt that being thrust into that sporting culture and that sporting environment is a good place to learn some of those things. Absolutely. Be- particularly when you're part of a team. Yeah, all, all three of my daughters have played team sport, mm. you know, since they were old enough to. Um, one, only one's not now because she's finishing her, her uni degree and is really, really focused on that. But the other two are still really active in, in team sport and loving it. Can we divert just for a moment back to Alan Crawley, the great? 
the great Alan Crawley. It is your dad. Like that's a it's a remarkable thing. The number of people who have been on this podcast, Yarra Olgramarians, who mention Alan Crawley as somebody who motivated them or inspired them or listened to them and, and kind of got them going. But he was dad for mm. you. And he was part of a what I think, and I might be wrong here, but part of a an individual event. Now, you talked about the value of team, but he excelled in a particular event. Can you tell us briefly your recollections of his sporting uh, achievements? So he did play some team sports. Did he? Yeah, he played rugby union Okay, uh, at, uh, at school. He actually... I don't know a huge amount about uh, rugby union. I think they're 15s in rugby union, don't they? First 15 is that what Yeah, that sounds right. I think he got dropped from the first 15 in, at Churchy in Brisbane. Right. Because he was told he was too slow uh-huh. playing fullback. Okay. Uh, when you end up running 10-4 for 100. <laughs> for and, somebody to look back and say, I was once told I was too slow. And getting a Commonwealth Games bronze medal in a 4 by 100 relay. Pretty, oh. pretty sure you're not too slow. I didn't know about the relay. Yeah, so the coaches wanted to drop him and just, what am I going to use uh, if the fullback's struggling? You're too slow. Okay, right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty radical. Wow. And then um, long jump was his number one sport. Obviously, that's he what needs I knew. some speed for that. So, yes. yeah, he came sixth at the Mexico Olympics in 1968 when Bob Beeman broke the world record. By a country mile. Yes. And it stood for 26 years, I believe. Yeah. And the great story, and a lot of Yarra Valley people will know this, is that David Colbert was, I'm going with 84, I know he's a number of years ahead of me. Um, he was at, once again, pretty sure the facts are right here, world championship when Mike Powell mm. broke that world record. So he was jumping for Australia and he came sixth in that event. Yep. He jumped the same distance as my dad. Yep. And that's pretty radical. And obviously Al was his first ever long jump coach here at Yarra Valley. There's some beautiful synergy there, isn't there? <laughs> that's a pretty incredible story. That is great, yes. We have actually had him on Inspired by Yarra. He's, no uh, doubt. he's told that story yeah, as great. well. It's Sorry a, for repeating it. No, not I at all. I love it though. It's a ripper story. <laughs> it is. It is fantastic. Because I think when he got interviewed straight afterwards, I think some media guy had his facts right about all of that and said, do you know that a guy called Alan Crawley was you know was there when Bob Beamer set the world record, James, the same as you? He said, he was my sports teacher. Yeah, do and my I know Alan Crawley? Coach. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's so good. I know uh, time is getting away from us, and uh, but I've really appreciated the opportunity to sit down with you and 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 speak with somebody. You, now, the great Alan Crawley. He, when I was telling him about the podcast, he mentioned, "Ha, oh, if anybody's been inspired by Yarra, it's you need to talk to my son Matthew." And it seems to me that a core part of who you are has been nurtured and grown and developed here at Yarra, but then you've taken that as a foundation and, and then launched into all other pursuits of your life, whether it be uh, your sporting pursuits and interests and, and still now your work and family, not so much music. No. But plenty of other things to celebrate in your life, which I think your dad's right, has truly been inspired by Yarra. No, absolutely no doubt. I, I had a fantastic time the whole way through my school. Um, you know, still still talk to friends about it and, and look back really, really fondly at my time. And, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic school. The facilities here now are just unbelievable. I'm looking forward to doing a bit of a tour with you in a minute. And it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a great grounding for 
for kids to learn, grow, um, get some resilience uh, and, and become great humans to excel in life afterwards. Fantastic. Matt, I've got one more question for you, but uh, just to wrap up our time with Matt Crawley from the class of 1989. Matt, what are you looking forward to in the next, whether it be six months, 12 months, What what's kind of really got you buzzing at the moment? Well, other than another Richmond Premiership in 2020, which would be fantastic, um, oh, look, uh, my eldest daughter, Grace, uh, is about to finish a uni degree. She's uh, a midwife, so my my first child's going to leave the house. Uh, she's applying for all sorts of radical roles in her first year, Thursday Island, Alice Springs, to go and catch babies. So um, that's – it's. I'm not looking forward to her leaving. My sure. wife particularly not looking forward to her leaving. Um, but certainly, you know, it's it's – to have one grow up and do it all and to and then to be ready to go into the real world for themselves is pretty pretty exciting and cool. And such are the joys of parenting and, and it's that that challenge of you want them to spread their wings and fly and yet you also want to keep them close. But it seems to me that you, in your own experience, have had that opportunity to fly and, and you know, things like your, your daughter wanting to go off and do some pretty amazing, exciting things like <laughs> who would have thought of footy in Coffs Harbour after all? <laughs> exactly. But you've made it work. Yep. And loving it. And now your daughter's going to go off and do something pretty exciting yeah, as well. And, and the great thing is if you've given them the right environment, um, they're going to want to come back. Like I want to come back and see dad all the time and do do that. And, and you've just got to hope that my daughters want to do exactly the same thing once they're free and go and do their thing that they want to come back and see us. Fantastic, Alan Crawley. Uh, sorry, Alan Crawley. <laughs> Alan Crawley it's easy is to have your on the brain. <laughs> is your father, but Matt Crawley from the class of 1989. Thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing some stories. Thanks for um, reliving some of those great memories. My pleasure. Thank you for coming in on your holidays to do it. Terrific. Great to have you here. And uh, that wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And as you know, on the yvg.vic.edu.au website, under the community section, you can see the library of podcast episodes that we've got, speaking to uh, other Yarra Old Grammarians from all the different generations over the history of our school. Matt Crawley is going to uh, add to that library. Great stories, great sharing and inspiration. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for your time. Thank you to our listeners. Come back again next time for another fantastic episode of Inspired by Yarra. On behalf of everybody on our team, thanks for joining us. It's Paul Joy here and bye for now. Well, that just about wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. There was a a merriment and a joy in um, being in the room. And then, as I mentioned at the outset, after this conversation, Matt and I and his dad, uh, Alan Crawley, we got to go and wander through Yarra and uh, that too continued the conversation and the delight that it was to have him back in his, uh, in his school environment, an environment that he loved so very much. This podcast is intended to help foster connection between Yarra Old Grammarians and the wider Yarra community. And if you know of a story, if you know a yog who um, perhaps others would be interested to hear their story and uh, and would benefit from it, then we'd love you to get in touch with us. Uh, you can email us or, or make contact via the website at yvg.vic.edu.au. And to find the library of 
other episodes that we've recorded um, under the community section on that website. Down near the bottom, you can go and find the Inspired by Yarra podcast and a growing library of episodes, conversations that we've had with Yogs from all through the generations and uh, their stories uh, are ones of inspiration and hope and there's some comedy, there's some laughter, there's some uh, great storytelling in amidst of the library that we are growing there. Please share this episode. Make contact with somebody, perhaps even uh, make contact with somebody who you haven't contacted for a while. And, and if you if they know Matt, if, if they know Alan, you know, put them in touch and, and help them to find this podcast and continue to be a part. My name's Paul Joy, and it's my privilege every episode on behalf of a team of people who help put this together to uh, sit down with these fantastic Yarra old grammarians, these yogs and to share these conversations with you. On behalf of everyone at Yarra, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you go out there with a degree of intentionality in a bid to make a difference, a positive impact in the world around you. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.